Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview inspiring and fascinating women who talk about their projects as well as their own lives as evolving women. I'm your host, Nicole Christina. And if you like the podcast, you'll love my newly updated companion online course, Zestful Aging, Simple and Sustainable Habits for Health and Longevity. Learn more at NicoleChristina.com. Well, I have my coffee in my hand and my little Jack Russell Sparky right beside me. So let's begin. Christine Irby's Summers is an award-winning independent filmmaker who has produced over 100 hours of documentary, dramatic, and educational programming for PBS since 1976. In her latest documentary, Aging in America, which was nominated for an Emmy, she asks, what does it mean for a society to have so many people living so much longer? Rather than looking at aging as an individual predicament, the documentary makes connections to social policies and institutions, tackling topics such as how we work and where we live and how those arrangements could or should be updated to meet the current reality. Welcome, Christine. Why, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. I am delighted. And let me make one tiny correction. The film is called Coming of Age in Aging America. And um, the, the title is, the coming of age part is really important because this film is, is about all of us. I think the biggest takeaway message from the film is that um, <clears throat> an aging society is not about old people. Mm-hmm. Emphasis on society, um, an aging society, is not about old people. It is about everyone. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry you. about that. Yes, <laughs> okay. No, not at all. So, I, you know, you have made oh. other films in the past, and, and you've spent uh, a successful career doing that. I'm wondering how you choose your subject material. Well, you know, that's a really interesting question. And sometimes people, our colleagues have come to us, for instance, with race, the power of an illusion, or uh, unnatural causes is inequality making us sick. And they ask us um, if we would just take on the whole big series. And we say yes, because that's the kind of film that we make. In other cases, we, so for instance, with uh, American Denial, which is uh, about implicit bias, um, we, that, that came out of, everything sort of connects with everything else, you know, and things sort of, oh, you kind of say, oh, how did that happen? Oh, well, because I was having a conversation with XYZ, and that conversation led to A, B, and C. And the interesting thing about it, it, and uh, we have not, we never had a crystal ball, obviously, is that the films that, that we have made have been 
incredibly timely. And <clears throat> they're timely when they're done, but it takes three to four years to raise the money and then actually make the film. So we've been lucky. So, um, so that's part of the answer. The other part of the answer is um, all of our films are, are about really big social issues and the institutions that drive them that we need to take a look at, that we are living in, sort of the, the uh, un, unseen scaffolding of, mm. a, of a big social issue. Uh, and aging is an amazing, aging, inequality, race. Those are the last three films that I've made. <laughs> and so there's plenty of scaffolding in all mm. of them. Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, I, I was uh, watching the film and just, you know, even as someone who, who is immersed in this, there's yeah. some shocking uh, statistics and. Well, um, which ones yeah. did you think were shocking? That's a good question. I, th I, I guess, you know, the whole, the whole bit about like the suburbs and mm -hmm. the isolation and needing mm -hmm. a car that yeah. it's, it's not just like, oh, we have to make sure people uh, have a center to go to. I mean, right, it, it right. is ground up. It is the most basic kind of yeah. uh, things in our, in our life and our lifestyle that from what, what I understand has got to be reexamined yeah. and in a hurry. Yeah. Well, I think um, if I can just sort of jump in, do you, do you have questions or? No, go ahead, okay. please. <clears throat> the, um, the whole film rests on an understanding of what Laura Carstensen talks about when she says, we have got to think differently about the life course. Um, mm -hmm. And, and You've seen the film, so yes, you know she's that the, the Center of Longevity at Stanford. Yeah, she's and and she's arguably the queen of longevity studies in America. Although she would blanch at that uh, uh, that characterization. Anyway, <clears throat> her big idea is an abstract idea, but once you start thinking about it, it sort of changes everything that you think you can do or have to do or what the society needs to do and what it needs not and so on and the idea is that for most of human history uh, uh, the average lifespan was in the well first it was in the 30s and then it was in the 40s and then it was in the 50s this is really the very first time in human history that uh, longevity uh, um, into the 80s has been common, 80s, 90s, and 100s. I mean, I can remember when uh, on the Today Show they featured, you know, centenarians. Oh, this person is 100. How did you do it? Well, yeah. n no more. There are really a lot of them. Okay, well, well, they're a dime a dozen. <laughs> well, but what does that mean for us as a society? That we essentially, demographically and statistically speaking, are looking at 
20 additional years of life and uh, and and it's it, uh, for many um, older older people they're very very healthy active um, and uh, well we can get into all the all the other um, aspects of that particular demographic but think about it um, uh, a huge piece of the population being um, 65 and above so that we've created what is um, something that has not been normal in human history which is to say normally in human history there was a pyramid lots of young people supporting mm -hmm. very few older people now we're a barrel um, and we, uh, there are a lot of older people. There's a bulge in the middle. There are, and then it narrows down to fewer, um, fewer younger people. Now that's a, it's, a, it's an important thing to actually think about that. I've sort of lost the thread to the life course, haven't I? Well, anyway, I'll get back to it. No, I know, I know where you're going. This okay. Idea, and I know, and I, I was thinking you were going to talk about retiring at 65 doesn't make sense anymore. Well, we okay. So, so now that we have we have got this transformative, and it's absolutely transformative mm -hmm. change of demographics. Um. How do the first question everybody asks is, "Oh my God, how are we going to afford all those old people who don't have anything to do but golf, and they're just <laughs> kind of sucking up social security and all of our taxes?" Um, it's the wrong question, obviously. The right question is, "What? How should we be thinking about a life that, instead of winding down at 65?" It continues and starts maybe winding down at 85, just physically, cognitively, etc. What does that really mean? So Laura Carstensen has has basically said, you got to think about the life course differently. You know, we can't get stuck in this notion of oh, we're um, our children will be children and being educated age zero to twenty-five. Let's say, then from twenty-five to sixty-five, what are we all doing? We're working like crazy. We are um, uh, save, trying to save for uh, our retirement, trying to save for our children's education, trying to buy a house. Um, trying to just keep our heads under uh, 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 above water, um, we've got older parents that we're trying to take care of, and on and on and on. So this, what uh, what demographers have found is that this particular period is actually the period in which there is the lowest sense of well-being among the entire population. And the it, middle, that middle part? Or that, middle we, that middle yeah. part. Mm -hmm. And it sort of Stressful. tanks around age 43 to 47. And it tanks really badly for women who tend to be the caretakers mm -hmm. of, uh, of both generations. But on the other hand, you've got 65-year-olds um, who are saying, "Oh, okay, I can." Or 66-year-old, "Oh, I can take Social Security now." And I've, I've, uh, you know, now what? 
And the now what is a huge question, even if we don't look at the dollars. And the dollars are staggering. I, um, uh, most Americans have not saved even close to enough to sustain a 20-year uh, period of not being employed. Mm -hmm. Let, but let's, let's, for the, the purpose of this conversation, set that aside because that's in some ways easier to solve than the kind of existential or um, emotional issue around, okay, I'm 65, I'm 70, and by the way, for your uh, uh, audience, I'm a poster child. I'm going to be 70 in December. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and a lot of my friends are, are in the same demographic. Now, luckily, there's something that I'm just really keen to do. But for a lot of other um, Amer uh, uh, people my age, they don't want to keep working in their same jobs and, you know, kind of dealing with nine to five and, and all of the, you know, there's, there's a reason that you lose patience with that after a while. You've been doing it for 45 freaking years. And, and so, so now what do you do? Um, and we really do not have any, uh, any social structures in place that A, welcome older adults and B, welcome older adults on the terms that they need to be welcomed, which is to say uh, many of them are not strong enough physically to uh, adapt to, uh, uh, to continue the work that they were doing. Um, many just, uh, they're tired. I mean, 45 years of, you know, that middle section, you're just plain tired <laughs> at the out. end, yep. worn out. And so um, they want to work part-time. Um, and, you know, uh, oh gosh, I could, I could do chapter, book, and verse on the film, and you don't want me to do that. But um, so, uh, so how do we begin to think about that middle section of our lives, not the end. Well, we can talk about the end in a minute, but that middle section, as a way to um, help to create thriving, healthy, older adults. Um, how do we look at that period of time um, in which we are not seeding um, uh, uh, seeding obesity and um, and depression and uh, 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 kind of fatigue substance. and yeah. uh, substance abuse. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. um, so, so one of the things that Laura Carsonson argues is that, look, what does it take to take a year off in the middle of life? versus at the, you know, you know, when you're 67, 70, and you've got all the time in the world, um, to be able to retrain, rethink, have time with your family, take a breath. Mm -hmm. um, like a sabbatical from your life. That's right. A sabbatical, from, that's an excellent way of putting it. Um, and, and there, 
I, I, I've been in a lot of screenings, uh, um, you know, at libraries and whatnot, and you just see the heads kind of nod up and down at, during that section of the film in which she says, you know, it, it's, it's the squeeze. We are squeezed, and then by 65, all we want to do is just kick up our heels and rest. Mm -hmm. Well, two years later, you're going, rest? This is so boring. Mm -hmm. um, I've been no, and and so on and so forth. I've been there. Are a whole bunch of other things that that uh, retirees think about, but um, golfers don't seem to have this problem. But <laughs> so for for I'm curious about um, about how your life has been. Um, following this course and I'm wondering I know that you've started a whole new chapter and how, how what was the thinking what was the process for you in deciding to leave the documentary film making and to start a new chapter well um First of all, I was tired. I was physically tired. Um, uh, people may think that um, filmmaking is a very glamorous, um, and film producing is, is a very glamorous profession, but it is hugely stressful. You have to manage a, a big staff. You have to raise the money to do it, and then you are and then it takes two, at least two years to get the film right. You shoot it, you are shooting, uh, so you've got 13, 14 hour days, um, and then you're back at it the, the next day, and <clears throat> these, are, these are the kinds of days in which if you don't get the story, then you're never gonna get it. Um, so- Did you go to California? Do you have to travel? And oh, I, I, went to, I, I went anywhere that the experts lived um, is where I would go. So mm -hmm. I've been to Europe, I've been to uh, all over the United States um, to, to find the right experts for any given film, whether it's a race film, whether it's an aging film, whether it's an inequality film or a history film. So tremendous amount of travel and you know anyone knows that that this is just a pain in the neck and tiring just really really tiring mm -hmm. and then i was managing the company and managing the employees and having to come up every year with the three hundred thousand dollar payroll um just to keep the company alive not not to mention you know making the films so at some point it, during the making of this film, and I, I can't even tell you what point it was, um, I just said, this is a good film to go out on. Mm. And, and <clears throat> at first I was very, I thought, well, yeah, right, Christine, you're good. Okay, yeah, you're going to stop working. And in fact, almost all of my peers and colleagues said the same thing. Oh, yeah, right, Christine, you're not <laughs> going to make another film. In fact, yesterday someone said, I hear a film brewing. No, <laughs> no more films. Um, and uh, so then the question, uh, the question was never for me, um, what do you want to do? 
I have always, always wanted to be trained as a, a real academically trained artist. Um, and that's never what I did in my life and never could do in my life. I was a mother and a worker and this, that, and the next thing. <clears throat> so um, I'm not going to take you through the whole process of researching the right place for me to be. But I've figured out a way financially. And a lot of people don't have this luxury, so I'm a little bit hesitant to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I have a house in Cambridge. Mm-hmm. I can rent that house. I rent mm-hmm. that house and it provides me with income. Mm-hmm. Then I have saved a certain amount of money that will get me to Social Security at the maximum possible age, mm-hmm. um, which is age 70, which I, I would urge everybody to do <clears throat> because the payback is so enormous. Um, and so I, I sort of figured out the money. I'm, I'm not going to make it. I, I, you know, I'm going to fall about five, five or $6,000 short um, uh, uh, you know, on my monthly budget. But that was a big question. Can you do mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. And then the second question was <clears throat> where, how, what, uh, where do you want to live? And that's complicated and some of it's personal, but it, for your listeners, it has nothing to do with a man. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to make that yeah, right. I, I, did, I did not follow any man. <laughs> um, uh, part of it was uh, I've, I've lived in big cities my entire life, and I wanted to live in a smaller place. My two criteria for picking the place were um, what does the finished work of the students look like? And is the town um, 20% cheaper than Boston? Now, mm. that's, that's easy. That's almost every yeah. <laughs> That's an easy one. Um, so uh, the other was more complicated. So that's my trajectory. And um, so I think as How I... How is it feeling now as you're you know, enrolled, you're doing the work, you've, you've really made this major shift. What does it feel like now? Well, I feel completely incompetent at, in, in the academy. I'm, I'm the least experienced, oldest person uh, in the class. Um, it is much, much harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, much more rigorous, academic, the critiques are harsher. Um, it is, uh, you know, you have to be a grown-up, and and I think that you know, let's hope we've become grown-ups at age at age seventy. But, but in fact, I think we are. I, if I had heard any of these critiques when I was twenty-five or thirty, I would have said, okay, I'm going to be a. Uh, 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 a dental hygienist. I, ca- I can't do this. I can't handle that. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so going from the top of one's profession to the bottom of the class is an adjustment, but it's a good one. It's a really, really good one because it forces you to really say, who am I? I mean, how, how did I lose who I am or was or could be or... I mean, there are all kinds of wars, 
um, as a mother, as a wife, as a worker, um, you know, all of those things require different, let's put it this way, all of those things re require you to give up a certain amount of freedom. And now I'm, ta I'm talking about a first world problem here, uh, mm -hmm. you know. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not, I'm not a finan I, I'm financially getting by, um, but loving life. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, in it, because in addition to doing, um, uh, you know, in this, in this art uh, program, which will go on from at least four to five years, um, I'm learning how to ride a horse. Which oh, is just something goodness. I, <coughs> excuse me, I always wanted to do in my whole mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. It's cheaper to do that down here, and so I'm posting and trotting, and we're about oh, to go into cantering, and it's it's like, oh my God, this is just the best. But I can afford it now, and I have the time, and I have the freedom. To have this freedom is just amazing. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. So the next piece of of the and I've also <laughs> again for your listeners, um, I came from Cambridge. I come from my still have my house up in Cambridge, Massachusetts. You could not find a bluer town in the country. Um, oh uh, right, politically, right. you come down here, and you could not find a redder. County. You're you are really challenging yourself at so many levels, physically, artistically, politically. I mean, do they know who you are? Isn't that hilarious? Oh you my are, gosh! I mean, it just sounds so jarring. Oh, it's totally jarring. It's just uh, it, you know. Um, but I was I mean, I was kind of ready for it. I, I, no, I wasn't ready for it. But um, I, I'm just thinking about <laughs> your work and your work about, you know, justice and, yes, you know, yeah. race and all of these huge yeah. social. And you are going into, you know, this this is like with the belly of the beast. Yes, except that. Um, I'm not ver doing very much in the social um, in in the, the social activist venue. I mean, I have joined a club. The first club I've joined uh, since I was a Girl Scout. I've joined the Democrat <laughs> the Moore County Democratic Women's Association, um, but there is more that I could do. There's more that I should do. But there is also, at, at some point, we start to get serious about, take a breath. You'll get there. Um, you don't have to do it tomorrow. You will, you, you, you will do that work volunteering here or, you know, I mean, I've been to plenty of rallies. Uh, don't don't worry, there are plenty of rallies around here. But um, you know, the, this whole idea of uh, you don't have to do. You're not on call, basically. You're not on call from your kids, your staff. 
um, from your, uh, your career demands and dreams, um, or even, well, anyway. So that freedom, oh my God, uh, I've never had it. Uh, I didn't even have it as a child, so it's really fantastic. So I don't know if this is helping you at all. Yeah, um, no, I think people, you know, really want to hear what are the possibilities now? You know, you, you ask that question, that what now? And you're presenting like, well, here's a brand new life I've created. Yeah. Here's a possibility for you, you know, and I, it's, it's, I'm just Well, it, you know, this. it's, uh, there's one thing that I'd like your listeners to hear and, and, and particularly psychologists, um, and that is when older people come and say, "Well, you know, they tell us to, f you know, follow our passion, follow our dream." And I don't have any passions, and I don't have any dreams. That's true, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Most of my friends, uh, you know, don't have the the same kind of hunger and you know fire in their belly for doing what I'm doing. Um, and so that's an even more difficult challenge. Um, it, it all sounds great. Oh yeah, she picked up and left and she's riding horses and she's painting pictures. Well, um, now you, I'm not married. Um, my child is going off to medical school, so I'm not even gonna think about him for a while. And um, so what about those of us who are either encumbered with caretaking for a spouse, or mm -hmm. don't really have um, a notion in, and and some of the smartest women I know um, are in that position. It's like well, I don't I don't know what to do with all this time. Should I become a consultant? Worst thing in the world to to do. I mean, a consultant, you know, you're you're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel when um, when you're a consultant. Um, so it is very important to, to take time. Just don't leap into a next job. Don't leap into a, a consulting uh, position if, if, if you've got the professional chops. Take a breath and read books for six months. Just hang out and read books and know that this freedom is a gift and it's been earned. Of course, we all earned. You know, uh, we all earn the kind of life that I'm that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Many people can't have this kind of life. Um, but then, slowly but surely, uh, make sure that you keep on getting out into the world. Don't self-isolate. Um, even uh, men have a lot more trouble than women do. Um, with this, but it's still a reality. Um, move if you're in the suburbs, because mm -hmm. yeah, the suburbs um, will will help you continue to uh, self-isolate. Mm -hmm. um, move your body, um, however you want to move your body, whether it's dancing to Carly, you know, Carly Simon, because we all did, or. Um, or doing something more um, more formal, um, but don't be put off by this idea that you have to have a passion, or you so have. Ha yeah, I think that's a really good point. And what I'm curious about is, with all of these 
major changes. How did you deal with any anxiety or any, you know, I'm going to a place that is new. I'm going to be, I don't know people there. I'm going to be the oldest person in my, in my program. I mean, how do you deal with those, although they're exciting and there's freedom, that is major transition. Yes. Well, I've had meltdowns. Okay. Um, I've cried, but I like almost every single one of your listeners, I have a cohort of friends. Now, interestingly, what's happening at our age is that some of them are going to North Carolina, some of them are going to Florida, some of them are going to Arizona. You know, so they're moving out of Boston. My staying in Boston would not guarantee guarantee me any more access than I have right now. Um, learn to write funny emails, um, and and really use emails and texting um, as a way to just. I mean, even a text that says, "So what's up, girl?" Um, it that. It, that will keep you engaged um, and not and and sort of lift your soul. Um, how do I deal with the anxieties? Um, I really don't know the answer to that question because I've been an anxious person my whole whole life. But the difference here is that I'm not doing any of this to get my show on PBS or to get a scholarship to college or to get a grade or to impress my husband or or or, or whatever externals there there are just and it's really important um, I think although I haven't had to deal with this because my divorce preceded the and it was horrible um, preceded this change um, <clears throat> but to be able to communicate with one's partner that you're struggling with this, um, you're going to go out and find something, you don't know what it's going to be, um, and you know, be, begin to liberate that authentic self that. I know authenticity is that like, oh God, if I hear that <laughs> word one more time, I'm going to shoot whoever says it, right? But there is a real self. Mm-hmm. Um, and that self has, has been shaped in a lot of ways over 60 years, uh, 70 years of um, kind of in- institutional, living within institutional in institutions where we don't have institutions now that we have to, to live in. Um, so, um, uh, how, how do I deal with it? Um, uh, you know, I just can't answer the question. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I feed myself well, I go to mm-hmm. yoga, oh, I've, I've, I've learned, uh, I've, I'm taking writing lessons. I talk to everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody. I go into a, a shop, and if somebody looks in, you know, kind of, if someone <laughs> will talk to me, you know, I start talking to them, and all of a sudden, I'm at their Fourth of July party. Ah, um, so you're that's a that's a gift that you have, is it actually is not a gift. 
that I've had. It's not a, my natural personality. My natural personality is very shy and introverted. And, but because of my because of my career, I've had to develop all those other kinds of skills. And my guess is that that's the case with most of your listeners, mm -hmm. that you've developed kind, kinds of skills over the course of your life that you didn't even know that you were developing. Mm -hmm. um, and that come in really handy when it comes to being in a strange new land. And we are in a strange new land. Um, do you have any other questions? I mean, I feel like we haven't really talked about the data or the, the politics uh, of, of the yeah. film. No, I mean, I, I, I um, the general idea that everything is changing, the, the demographics are uh, very, well, let, very startling on how well, many people. Yeah, let, me, let me make a, um, a, a point that, or uh, let me plant an idea that uh, m most people don't think about. And, and, you know, there are lots of things in the film that none of us ever thought about until we started making the film. But here's one that is surprising. Um, when you think about an aging society, it, it's unlikely that you will hear the word immigration in the same paragraph or the same sentence. But when you think about the, the, what, what, what is called a dependency ratio, younger people paying taxes, um, uh, paying social security, etc., etc., whether they're uh, legal, whether they're not legal, whether they're on a path to being legal, um, um, so long as they are being uh, educated to enter the workforce that is absolutely necessary for an aging society and there's no mistaking that this aging society is a permanent phenomenon mm -hmm. it's not going to go away with the baby boomers the millennials are as large a cohort as as we were so it means that and so there was a piece in the times this morning about the um and this is the second consecutive year in which um, the American birth rate has fallen. Um, that is a huge demographic factor that, that, uh, that change, it's a game changer. If there is, if there is not an infusion of workers, of, um, of children in schools, um, of uh, uh, social security contributions, tax contributions. Um, I mean, that's very, that's a very cold way of looking at, at immigrants, especially now that so many are suffering on the border. But when you look at the demographics, immigration is huge. We want immigrants. Mm -hmm. We want people who will be working um, and contributing, contributing materially to That's the society. That's very interesting. Yeah, I, I don't think um, people uh, see it that way or, or understand it that way. It certainly hasn't been uh, talked about a lot 
publicly, I don't think. No. The well, it's, aspect, it's, that's interesting. Right. I mean, it's a complicated, like any, you know, yes. big social problem. It's a yeah. complicated web of causality. So, um, but it's, it's important for us to start thinking about immigration that way, regardless of our, our political persuasion or fears or whatever, whatever. Um, we need an infusion. There are countries, Japan, Germany, many European countries, who are, and China, especially is heading towards um, either what we call a beanpole or an inverted um, pyramid. That's mm -hmm. dangerous. That's unstable. Pyramids are inherently stable. Turn them upside down, they're inherently unstable. Mm -hmm. um, and, well, anyway, I've said my thing. <laughs> So no, I, I, you know, I, I have this. Oh my God! <laughs> I want to, I want to talk about policy, but I also want to ask you questions like this one: What project are you most proud of? Because you've done, you've committed so much of your life and energy to tackling these social issues. What, which one stands out to you as, is one that you're your favorite? Well, I'd like to say that it's the aging project, but it's not. Mm. Um, I think the, the most, my favorite, not because it was the easiest to make, um, but because it was the most important and embracing, uh, was um, Unnatural Causes is Inequality Making Us Sick. Mm -hmm. Now, we made that film, uh, Nicole. Uh, I don't even remember now. It was, what year are we in? Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, eight years ago, 10 years ago, something like that. Yeah. Before the notion of inequality was, um, I, I mean, before it was kind of part of the public pattern. Um, so we had some trouble finding the data. We had trouble, f f and in fact, we had to hire people to research the data for us. Um, and it was, it ended up being, uh, I did the signature film, the, um, and then there were six half hours after that looking at um, infant mortality, the di uh, disparities um, among black and white, um, uh, uh, employment, sickle cell, and obesity, mm. et cetera, et cetera. And um, mental health. Did you do mental health? I haven't seen this film. No, we okay. didn't. We did not. Um, because that, of course, now we know if you grow up poor, you're much more likely. To much have a more likely. Yep. Much more likely. But you know what? We didn't have the data then. And all of our films are, I, I have to say, they're data driven. Mm -hmm. And that makes it, them sound really, really boring. But we, we don't say anything in our films that we, we can't say, here are the numbers. And the numbers are um, incontrovertible. Um, uh, it, um, you, you, can, you can link, and, and we did do this quite a lot, um, um, uh, correlations. So the correlation between stress, let's say, and obesity, 
and uh, early childhood trauma and blah, 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 blah. That, that whole stress pathway biologically, um, if overactivated over a long period of time, leads to, uh, leads to uh, well, as you know, um, phenomenal health problems, cardiac problems, obesity, diabetes, um, all, all of the expensive problems in our, in our society. Not to mention now the opioid uh, epidemic. I mean, you know, you feel stressed, you don't have a job, uh, give me something, you know, so I feel, so I don't feel so helpless. So that film uh, won a DuPont Columbia uh, uh, journalism, uh, television journalism award, which is really the top journalism award in, in my business. But more than that, much more than that, um, is that it has been adopted by, well, at last count, it was around 95 public health master's programs around the country. Ah. And, and I'll just tell you a little anecdote. Um, it's everywhere. I mean, you say unnatural causes, they go, oh my God. Oh. So uh, here's an anecdote, a very quick one, um, and that is uh, when my son was a sophomore at Washington University, he, he kind of got smitten with a girl, and um, he was about to meet her best friend, Pia. So I thought, oh, gee, Willigers, you know, I'm like, wow, what do I wear? What a baby, baby, baby. So uh, he meets her, and, well, you know, what's your major? Oh, public health. Oh, um, yak, yak, yak. And then finally he gets, well, what, is your, what, what do your parents do? And so he tells them, and he tells them what, what his mother does. And she said, oh, well, would I have seen any of the films? And, and, I, and he said, well, she just finished. This, this series called Unnatural Causes is Inequality Made. And she goes, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. That is, the best, that is, the, that, that is the best thing. Uh, it has opened my eyes completely. And all of a sudden, I, I can see him kind of say, okay, mom rocks, you know? <laughs> she got the girl for me. Um, that's a great but, story. But that, that does happen quite a lot. And that's, you know, in the end, phooey, we can make all kinds of movies. And, yeah, and they can be fun. And, and they can be interesting. And they can be dreadful and, and dreadfully hard. And, but you can love your coworkers and yada da yada da. But in the end, when you really and truly know that you know what you've made a film about is actually contributing to social change mm -hmm. there there is i mean that feeling is just so fabulous and um unnatural causes has been the one that has done that the most now there's another series called race the power of an illusion that we did and um that has that's really old. That was 2002. 
Um, but it's still in high school curriculums, college mm -hmm. curricula, um, even though by now some of the genetics are inaccurate, um, the substance is, is still the case. And it's still timely, as you said. I know. These films are, you know, they're not brand new, but we're still really yeah. battling these. these yeah, they're, they're kind of evergreens. And, yeah. and how lucky. I mean, if I were to meet my maker tomorrow, I could account for my stewardship. But then if he asked me about all the terrible things that I did, I'd say, well, look at all the good things I may have done. Like, how, look at how wonderful my son is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, whatever. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Well, Christine, thank you so Nicole, much. Nicole, thank here. you. This was, was really fun. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. And please consider becoming a patron of the show. You will get access to exclusive bonuses and you will be part of the Zestful Aging community. Keep us going strong. Go to patreon.com slash zestful aging. See you next time for another episode of Zestful Aging.